Good morning. This is Bishop Phoebe Rofe of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee, and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. Each Thursday, we broadcast on WYXR 91.7 FM from Crosstown Concourse, where we have the opportunity to interview a guest to learn more about the role of faith in their life and the important work that they are doing in the community. And we are currently in the midst of a series about uh, children and families. And so it's been wonderful to hear and learn about the many ways that children are being supported during this time of COVID. We always start the show with a saint of the day. And a saint is basically a regular person who has done something extraordinary in his or her life that is um, noteworthy in some way. And so on March 31st, we recognize John Donne, who was a priest and poet who died in the year 1631. John Donne is known for um, a number of writings, but in particular, there are two uh, poems that are associated with him, two sort of phrases. Um, One is, um, for whom the bell tolls, he's known for writing that, and the other is a poem entitled, No Man is an Island Unto Himself. Uh, During his day and time, he was considered one of the greatest of the English poets, and he was also the best known preacher in the Church of England or the Anglican Church, which is the mother church of the Episcopal Church, my denomination. But he was actually born in 1572 into a Roman Catholic family, and he was raised as a Roman Catholic. He was quite educated, uh, both at Oxford and Cambridge, and he studied law. And he began his career um, in politics in terms of serving uh, the state. But when that career ended, he was persuaded uh, to be ordained in 1615. Uh, And in 1621, he became the dean of St. Paul's Cathedral in London, where he served until his death in 1631. And it was really in his role as the dean of the cathedral in London that he garnered great renown. His sermons grew huge. Um, His sermons drew huge throngs of people, not only to the cathedral, but also to Paul's cross, which was an open air pulpit located very close to the cathedral. And so through his sermons, he grappled with so many of the questions of the day. And he always wanted to connect the gospel to the concerns of everyday people. And through his powerful witness and his 
powerful preaching. He brought many people uh, to know the love and the transformative nature of faith in Jesus Christ. So while his journey wasn't always easy, uh, he used his own struggles to be a witness to others who were also struggling. And so we will pray now the prayer that has been assigned for John Dunn, priest and poet. O God of eternal glory, whom no one living can see, and yet whom to see is to live, grant that with your servant, John Dunn, we may see your glory in the face of your son, Jesus Christ, and then with all our skill and wit, offer you our crown of prayer and praise until by his grace, we stand in that last and everlasting day when death itself will die and all will live in you who with the Holy Spirit and the same Lord Jesus Christ are one God in everlasting light and glory. Amen. So now it's my honor to introduce our guest for this morning, um, Miss Aletha Washington, who's the director of the Miriam Child Development Center at the United Methodist Neighborhood Center. Uh, I've learned that she is a native Memphian, a graduate of Overton High School uh, and Shelby State Community College, which is now Southwest Community College, also a graduate of the University of Memphis, and she is currently enrolled at Memphis Theological Seminary. Uh, she is ordained as a deacon in the AME, or the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and uh, it's our pleasure to have us, it's our pleasure to have her with us this morning. So welcome to Faithfully Memphis. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up here in Memphis and what the role of faith was in your life? Yes. But first, I'd like to say I'm excited to be here with you this morning, <laughs> Bishop. And so as far as faith in my life growing up, my father was a preacher. He actually pastored um, two churches here in Memphis oh, when wow. I was growing up. Um, I can remember as a child saying, um, when I become when I become an adult, I wouldn't go to church because I was tired of church. <laughs> That's PK, right, preacher's PK, kids, preacher's yeah. Kids. We were at church a lot, all the time. Um, and so I did grow up in church, was born in the church, um, but I did understand that I had to have a faith of my own. Right. Uh, so at about six years old, I accepted uh, Jesus Christ as my savior. Uh-huh. Um, and I enjoyed church. Um, but I eventually learned as I got older that it was more than just about going to church on Sunday and going to Bible study on Wednesday. And so uh, 
in my adult years, um, I've worked a, a lot in the church, and now I'm um, on the ministerial staff at St. Andrew AME Church. Uh-huh. Um, and so I've uh, learned that uh, the church uh, connects with the community. Yes. And so um, that is what I'm most excited about. And mm-hmm. so um, right now in the church, I'm working in the area of social justice. Mm-hmm. I work with other um, organizations throughout the community, also with social justice. Um, and so that has been so exciting for me in understanding my faith in that um, our walk uh, with Jesus allows us uh, to do so many things within the community to help others. Yes, it's yes. not just about what happens inside the wall of the church right. buildings on Sunday mornings. Right. Yeah. So I understand that um, the United Methodist Neighborhood Center is a partnership of churches ministering to the physical and spiritual needs of families who may need a little extra assistance. So can you tell us about how you became connected with the Miriam Child Development Center? Yes, I can. And actually, um, my role is a little different now. Okay. Um, So I'm the programs director for the United Methodist Neighborhood Centers, which encompasses a lot of different programs. Um, But Miriam Child Development Center is the foundation is the hallmark of that organization um and so um your question is about my work yes okay and so within that um i can remember if i could go back a little bit sure um when i first came into child care which was not what i went to school for early childhood (laughs) education was not my major i majored in psychology so never thought that i'd be working in early childhood education i can remember finding myself working at a a local uh, child care center and i was in a three-year-old class and i can remember tears starting rolling and I was like Lord what's wrong and it was like I heard a voice clear as day say this is exactly where you're supposed to be when I was questioning why I was in a classroom with three year olds Um, and so it was at that point that I found that early childhood education was not just me teaching in a classroom or working with little children um, but it was actually a ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, Later on I was had the blessed opportunity to become the director at the Miriam Child Development Center um, which has actually been in existence since 1982 um, for quality child Child care center is an awesome um, place. I was excited about going to work there. Um, and so when I got there, um, it was at that time located in Binghampton um, and had been in that community for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I got there, what I found was that uh, United Methodist Neighborhood Centers, which is um, the agency that Miriam is housed under, um, was not just about uh, educating children, which was an important part of our work, our ministry, but also working with the families to make sure that they had the resources that they needed. Yes. And so we had a food pantry that was located on the property, a clothing closet. Um, and we were actually connected to many other agencies throughout the city of Memphis to make sure um, that parents had what they needed, that families had what they needed um, so that the children could be successful. Um, we also pride ourselves on providing quality um, early childhood education um, because we wanted people to know we're not just babysitting right, children. We're right. educating them um, from the time that they come to us. and We accept children at six weeks of age. And mm-hmm. so... Um, we began to um, also expand our services. So that's when I became the director of our programs. And so under the programs, we have uh, workshops and different things to educate parents uh, because we want them to understand um, that we're not just here to educate the child, but to educate the entire family. Um, And so we have different workshops and things so that parents understand how to advocate for their children. Okay. um, That they understand um, resources that are available uh, to them throughout the city. Um, And we're also there 
there to help them to access those resources. Um, and then we have our other programs, as I stated. Uh, we don't have a food pantry on the property any longer, mm-hmm. um, but we do connect with other food pantries throughout the city, and we're able to refer families or connect them to those food pantries. Um, we also now um, take clothes, clothes to uh, the different places uh, where we make those donations. Uh, we know when the pandemic came, a lot of places uh, uh, weren't necessarily uh, coming, have people coming in for right, clothing, so we right. start taking the clothing to them. Um, so we uh, try to make sure that we're connecting people in the community with things that they need. Got it. Um, and so we are now located uh, at 6050 Summer Avenue, which is in the Raleigh um, area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we're in that community, but we're still providing the same services and looking forward to expanding them. Um, we also have a program that's called the Junior Leadership Team, and we work with young people ages 12 to 17 years old um, in that we're mentoring them and also showing them throughout the city of Memphis, you know, things that they can get connected mm-hmm. to that are positive. Uh, so we have a lot of different programs. We have a social justice arm of the United Methodist Neighborhood Centers, which is called Voices for Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon we will be doing a voters registration drive under that particular piece. And so we have a lot of different programs, or not a lot, but some programs yes. um, that we're uh, able to offer and that we are helping people throughout the city um, to become connected and also um, to be proud of our city. You know, mm-hmm. we have some challenges, you know, with the city, but um, one of our mottos with our junior leadership team is finding the me in Memphis. So okay. that means, you know, we want you to be excited about your community and find out what things you can do to make your community better. Wow. Sounds like it's a real comprehensive yes. approach that you all have. Yes. So um, we're in the, in the midst of a series, as you know, about how we as adults can help children to thrive in an ever-changing landscape that may look really different from the ways in which we grew up, you know, the the issues and challenges facing children today. And so I'm wondering from your perspective of not only working with the children, but also programming for parents to also equip them, what sorts of lessons have you all learned about what it actually takes to help children thrive and reach their full potential. Um, one of my greatest lessons, or our greatest lessons, has been actually listening. Oh. Um, one of the things that I've learned with children, you learn a lot uh-huh. um, by listening to children. Um, I've heard people make assumptions about children, or you know, even parents say, well, they don't understand it, or they don't know that. Um, and children understand a lot more than what we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this pandemic, I have learned that children understand a lot more than what we think they actually understand. And so in this time, I've taken the time to actually listen to what the children are saying, Mm -hmm. um, to what the children are understanding. Um, We cannot uh, address the needs unless we understand what the needs are. And a lot of times, children can tell you exactly what their needs are. Or, you know, for those who are nonverbal, they can show you Mm -hmm. what their needs are. And so it's been during this time that I've actually taken the time to slow down, um, to observe more. Uh, for those who are nonverbal and for those children who are verbal to listen Mm -hmm. to what they're saying. So I just encourage people um, to actually listen, pay attention, observe, you know, what a child is showing you and listen to what they're saying to you. we can meet their needs better if we mm-hmm. uh, just take the time to try to understand what the needs are. Yeah. And we build our uh, programming around that. Mm-hmm. 
So is that an area where you actually work with parents on to help them learn how to be better listeners and, and pay attention? How do you how do you incorporate the things that you've learned right into the programming that you all offer? Well, the one of the programs that I'm working with now or working um, to establish is called Miriam Moms. Uh-huh. And so with that particular program, um, that's one of the things that we are working uh-huh. on is helping parents to better understand how to observe and how to listen um, to the needs or listen to better understand the needs of their children. Mm-hmm. Also understand that when you listen or when you observe and you understand what is needed from the child, how to advocate mm-hmm. um, when you go into um uh, maybe the child's doctor's office or if they're uh, needing some type of counseling, whatever services that they're needing, that you're able to communicate that. Um, and if you're not able to communicate it, that you're able to access the needed resources that can help you in that particular area. Um, what I learned is that a lot of times uh, families or parents, you know, they may think that they know what the child needs or, you know, they know, you know, what services their children or child may need, but they don't know how to access. Got it. Um, And so that's uh, what we're working on with that particular program, you know, how to access the resources and, you know, um, how to look at, you know, what you feel that your child needs. And if you don't quite know, you know, who would be able to help you get that particular information. So through that particular program, um, we're working with mothers Mm -hmm. um, to better learn, you know, um, or to, you know, to better learn how to access uh, what they need. Yeah. You know, the pandemic itself was so scary. And then we've had so many other just scary episodes over the past several years. We had the murder of Mr. Floyd and other unarmed people of color. We've had the insurrection on January the 6th. We're now hopefully not facing World War III, but a very significant conflict in Europe between Russia and Ukraine. So I wonder, have you... um, how have you observed these large, scary issues impacting children? I mean, what if children communicated about these big events? Have you sensed more anxiety or fear in them? And how are they coping? Um, what I look at with the children um, now, and one of the things that we've recently had a discussion um, on with some of the team members um, at um, at the Miriam Child Development Center was that some of the children that we have now that we're working with uh, don't have not uh, been around long enough to see us without masks on. Ah. They were born into a pandemic where they saw us Everybody in masks, with masks. With masks. Um, and so they don't even know the world without us wearing masks. Wow. So that was one of the first things we looked at. You know, we are living in a much different time. Right. Also, uh, one of the things that we're learning or seeing with children is that they're learning a lot faster. Mm-hmm. We know churches had to transition to being on technology and different things like that, you know, using technology. Um, there um, has been a I said, you know, children really learn quickly, you know, using technology. And so I'm observing, you know, really young children understanding how to use this technology that we're trying to get acclimated uh, to using. And so um, that's one of the things that I really observe. But uh, just looking at, you know, these children are living in a time and having to deal with things that we would have never imagined when we were children. And so uh, they are much different. Um, They are more mature in some aspects. 
aspects uh, because it seems that they've had to grow up really quickly. Yes. And so uh, we have really observed that and tried to meet those needs, you know, and and that's why I say, you know, we've had parents say, well, my child can't do that. And I'm like, yes, your child can. (laughs) You might want to spend a little more time observing your child. And and I think that some of that is because they have had to grow up uh, really fast um, in the last couple of years. Um, Also, along with that, I will say you and of course, with those in education and early childhood education, uh, we've had to uh, (laughs) do a lot more, you know, working with technology so that we could keep up with the children. Um, So that has been a thing. Uh, But also with those emotional needs of the children, um, because they do understand a lot more than what we think, uh, we have to make sure that we are meeting those emotional needs. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to make sure that when a child asks certain questions, um, that we're responding in the proper manner. You know, well, why do we have to wear these masks? What are going on? What's going on? Right. Um, so we make sure that, you know, we're truthful, you know, in what we're saying to children. Not scary. You know, we don't want to make them fearful. Right. Um, but be uh, truthful to them in, in, in the things that are happening. Um, we have not addressed, you know, many of the uh, challenges or concerns about right. um, a potential world war. You know, I think I'm still processing that yes. as an adult. Yes. Um, but I do look at how, you know, our children have to live through these challenging times and how we have to have conversations Mm -hmm. um, with them because I think that a lot of times people think, well, children um, who are early childhood education programs don't really know, you know, what's happening. They do. They see Mm -hmm. the world around them. Um, They know that something's not right. They do sense that it's something different. Um, The babies cry because they can't see your faces with masks on. Yeah. You know, so it is much different um, than what it was you know Mm -hmm. a few years ago Mm -hmm. and so we try to be there as much as we can Um, I do tell parents to you know watch your children during this time watch their emotions talk to them about the things that they see happening we see things on TV they watch the news with us right they see the things that are happening so it's good to have those conversations so that they're not having some things kind of build up on the inside or or, you know or they're confused about certain things it's good to have conversations with those who are able um, Mm -hmm. to talk you know have those conversations with them um so and and sometimes uh, we also have to realize that children will need therapy Mm, um, through mm -hmm. these particular times and so i tell parents you know make sure that you that you address uh, those needs also Mm -hmm. if you see um anger or anger being displayed in manners that cause concern don't be afraid to get therapy for your children and there are services out there that will help your child and there are services that we can even bring into the school Mm-hmm. you know, to help those children. So um, I just tell parents that, you know, it takes a team. It takes all of us to address um, any concerns or challenges because we're all going through emotional uh, roller coasters right. now, right. you know, with the things that we're seeing and experiencing. So mm-hmm. we don't want to negate the children and think, oh, they don't know what's happening. They're too young to know what's happening. They know that there's something that's not right. The ones who were born, you know, into a pandemic, right. they sense that there's something that's not right. Mm-hmm. Those who were born a little bit before the pandemic they understand that there's something that's not right and they are human just like Mm -hmm. us and so we need to have those discussions with them and when they're talking listen you know and respond accordingly yeah yeah you know in the church 
I think that we are in a, a season of discernment about the way it's going to look in the future, just like with the rest of the world, right? Yes. Probably different than the church that you and I grew up in as children. And given your role as a deacon in the AME church, I wonder, um, what are your thoughts about the learnings from the pandemic and how the church may have to continue to change and evolve to be a effective in meeting the spiritual needs of people moving forward. What I have learned and what will help us mm-hmm. in the future, um, and all of this work is connected. I was like, Lord, I thank you because this is all ministry. Yes, yes. Um, so what I have learned in this, and I hope that a lot of people took this lesson, you know, God brought us out of the building. Yes. And I was like, and so our work is not in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some things may happen in the building, um, but the work is outside of the building and it's time for us uh, to come out of the building and do the work that God has called us to do. Um, you know, I'm blessed that I get the opportunity to do this work every day, um, but also God called me to do some additional things. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage those of us in the church to seek God and what it is that God would have us to do because the work is outside of the building. Mm-hmm. You know, we are in the building, we praise God, and I thank God that we're able to go in the building and have that worship service. But where is God really calling us to do the work? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people need us. You know, they're needing clothing. Um, There are people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, There are children who are crying out for us. You know, our community is crying out for us. And and it's calling for us who are Mm -hmm. in the church to come out of those four walls Mm -hmm. and actually do some work and do the work that God calls us to do. You know, we see the work of Jesus throughout the Bible. It was not inside of a. You're right. A very, few, very few, <laughs> very few of those accounts. stories happened in the temple or right. in the synagogue. In the synagogue, right? And so, um, it's time for us to come out, you know, of the buildings and and do the actual work that we're called to do. And so, um, every day I'm like, Lord, I'm blessed, you know, yeah. to be able to do this work and. Even sometimes, you know, when we thought we could go back into the buildings and then we couldn't go back. Right. I was like, okay, do we hear what God is saying to us? Right. You know, so I'm just thankful. Um, Although the pandemic, you know, we know that there were some very, you know, hurtful. Oh, a lot of suffering. A lot of sufferings that happened during this time, you know. But in this, um, I also want us as churchgoers, you know, as people of faith Mm -hmm. to hear what we're being called to do. Yeah. To really see God and what God is calling us to do. Yeah, it seems that there's a huge opportunity that all people of faith have yes. in this moment yes. to really live as God wants us to live. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, you know, like I said, all this negative stuff happening, <laughs> um, but you're here in the studio with a smile on your face, and, you know, I hope the listeners can really sense your joy and your enthusiasm. So I wonder what is it that's giving you a sense of hope, even as you are helping children and families navigate these very complex issues? Um, I think that uh, for me, and um, for me, the things that are happening in my se- in this season of my life, yes. um, I can say, and you know, I was really blessed by that amazing grace. I'll go back to that. Yes. Um, because God has been so amazing um, for me. And I know that the same God that is amazing for me, um, who has been so merciful and kind, um, works in the lives of all people. Yes. Uh, we are God's children. And although we have experienced so many challenges, um, I know that God, you know, will take care of us uh, through 
through all of this. And so even in this work, um, even in the challenges, the sufferings, the things that we see, um, and it's not to say, you know, that suffering won't happen. Right. Um, it's not to say that, uh, you know, we will not see, have challenges or face challenges, um, but God is with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say I have had, uh, you know, many challenges throughout the years and uh, some sufferings, going through some challenges right now. Um, but it's uh, just uh, j- joyful for me to know um, that, you know, each morning that I rise, you know, God is still there. Yes. Um, and God will still take care of us, you know. And so, um, and and after seeing, you know, others who perished during the pandemic, I'm like, you know, every morning that I rise, you know, I'm thankful to God. And I'm going to live life to its fullest because there are so many people who did not make it. Right. And so that each morning uh, God gives us, you know, I want to be uh, joyful, you know, joyful and thankful uh, that I have the opportunity to make a difference, Mm -hmm. you know. And so um, it is my hope that every day that God gives me, you know, I can make a difference um, in somebody's life. And, you know, just teach them that, you know, it it, it may not, you know, always look like it's going to, you know, be a wonderful day. You know, and sometimes you will face some challenges and and some hurt, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, God is still there and God can bring us out of these things. And we just look, you know, to the time, you know, when God will bring us out, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just thank God, even in the season, you know, I tell people, I thank God when I'm facing the challenges. Mm -hmm. I thank God, you know, when I'm not in a challenge. Yes. Um, And it's just a blessing um, to be alive, to see another day. Um, and God will continue to take care of us, you know. So I just encourage people, you know, to find the joy in each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, find the joy. Yeah. In it. Doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. We can find God even in the small, small everyday things, things of yes. life. Yeah. Yes. So it sounds like you all have such a wonderful array of programming for families and children who need help. Are there opportunities uh, for persons listening if they wanted to volunteer or to get involved? What sorts of opportunities are there? We are looking for volunteers, especially for our summer program with the junior leadership team for that mentoring program. Um, And so we will have some ways of contact uh, contacting okay. us for that um, so you can volunteer for that particular program I'm also looking for college interns okay um, and so we have opportunity uh, for those who are in college to come and work with us um, we have one um, person right now we have a, a program that uh, we name college colleagues for Christ uh, uh-huh. so we bring those young people in and they come and we teach them those who are interested in early childhood education or even just different uh, types of ministries uh-huh. outreach ministry um, one of the things even in uh, my ministry now I'm working on uh, chaplaincy I'm hoping hopefully one day to become a board certified chaplain okay I'm going to work part-time one day as a hospital chaplain along with the work that I already do I know that I do a lot yeah Um, but one day I do plan um, to also do that but I'm working for those who I mean also working with those who want to be mentored um, in this type of ministry outreach ministry Um, and even those who may say well I don't know what I want to do right now right Um, you're welcome to come and volunteer um we have young people who are in college who say hey to me you know i'm not quite for sure where the road is taking me but i would like to just come 
and see what you all do. And so we're open, you know, to young people to come work with us on that. And as I stated, the junior leadership team, uh, those are uh, young people who need to be mentored in their ages 12 to 16. Okay. So we're looking for people uh, to enroll their children in that program. Of okay. Course, it is a free program. Um, so we're looking for people to enroll their children in that particular program and also to volunteer um, with that program. And so also with Miriam Moms, um, we're looking for moms in that particular program. And also you can find that information. It will be on um, our Facebook page. And you can uh, look us up under the United Methodist Neighborhood Centers of Memphis. Okay. Or under the Miriam Child Development Center. That information is listed under there if they're interested. In, and with that program, um, we work with uh, m- young mothers um, up to ages, up to the age of 26 who have okay. young children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that particular program, we work with them, as we stated, to advocate for their children. Um, so those are the opportunities that we have. And of course, with the Miriam Child Development Center, we're always enrolling children uh, up until our capacity is met. Okay. And so we have uh, that program for children ages six weeks of age to 12 years of age. Um, we also have a volunteer pre-K program. We have a partnership with Shelby County Schools. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a program for children ages three to four years old and or three and four year olds. And so for that particular program, you can contact Shelby County Schools to enroll your child um, to or actually to be screened for that program. Okay. Um, we also can be contacted um, at our email address, which is Miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M-C-D-C 1982 at gmail.com if you're interested at in for of any of these services Great. that we have. Great. So now you, you mentioned that hospital chaplaincy yes. might be in your future as well. Yes. What is it about that particular ministry that calls to you? Uh, for me, um, I had experienced a couple, well, a while back when my mother passed and um, it was not a great experience um, with a hospital chaplain and um, for me, I said, you know, no one should have to endure yeah. um, that type of uh, treatment uh, during a time like this. Right. And so once again, I was like, you know, what can I do to make that better mm-hmm. for someone? Um, I had the opportunity in my training or my studies at uh, Memphis Theological Seminary uh, to take a clinical practicum class yes. where I was able. CPE. Uh, CPE. Yeah. To volunteer at a local um, hospital. Um, and it was awesome for me. Um, and then so at that point, well, it was actually before then I decided that I wanted to work in hospital chaplaincy. And so in working with some of those chaplains, chaplains uh, during that time, um, I decided, I said, I would love to do this part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one day I do plan to become a board-certified chaplain. And, you know, also in that work, um, I have learned that some of those things I can use where I am now at the United Methodist Neighborhood Centers because you do meet people from all walks of life with mm-hmm. all types of situations situations and challenges. Um, and so even with that particular piece, um, the things that you learn um, in that CPE or in the chaplaincy program, you're able to take those things mm-hmm. over uh, into this type of work. Mm-hmm. People, you know, need somebody yeah. um, that they can just uh, reach out to who can minister to them. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm ministering well. Yes. Um, And so um, that's one of the things that I plan to pursue. It sounds like this work that you're involved in has involved a lot of flexibility. Yes, it has. And um, sort of meeting people where they are. Yes. Um, Where do you think that comes from? Is that something that you've always sort of done throughout your life? Or have your experiences prepared you to move into this season with those skills? Um, It has... uh, 
been something that I've seen my, all my life. Uh-huh. Um, I tell people about my mom, who was always uh, very open and welcoming to people, mm-hmm. no matter who they were. And I can remember growing up, I would look at my mom and be like, you know, why are you opening our home up to that person? Right. Or, um, you know, why are we socializing with that person? Um, always just a very helpful and loving person. Um, I also have a special needs sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that my mother made sure that she instilled in me was, first of all, you always take care of your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will always take care of my sister. Yeah. Um, and so in that, in understanding um, that everybody is not like you, but they right. are a blessing. Um, and so in watching my mother and understanding those lessons, um, I have been very blessed and fortunate to meet people from all walks of life and understand that all people are blessings and that we can learn from all people. Um, and so in that, uh, I kind of observed that and learned that growing up. And so um, now I'm just, you know, excited about working with all people and helping all people to understand that they are important to the body of Christ. Wonderful. Well, we want to thank you for all the work that you've already done thus far to uh, support and encourage children and families here in Shelby County and just ask God's continued blessings as your ministry continues to grow and evolve. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to be here. Excellent. So just a reminder that um, next week will be the last in our series of podcasts about how to help children uh, blossom and thrive. Uh, And you can also hear any of the other podcasts, part of this series, or really any of our former shows Anywhere you hear podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, the Diocese of West Tennessee also has a YouTube channel with the audio from any of our former podcasts. So we encourage you to listen to us on those formats and uh, to like us and to let us know if there are topics of interest that you think we should cover. Also, um, this weekend is a very important weekend in Memphis, and uh, I would say far beyond uh, on Monday, which is April the 4th. uh, We will commemorate uh, the fact that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. um, lost his life on April the 4th, 1968, here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, He was in town to advocate on behalf of sanitation workers who deserved much better treatment and wages and benefits and in the process of advocating for them he lost his life and so this Sunday at 3 p.m. There will be a viewing of a new documentary entitled From Cathedral to City Hall, and it highlights uh, the April 2018 commemoration. It was a 50th anniversary of the Memphis Clergy March to City Hall in 1968, the day after the assassination of Dr. King. 
this event is free and open to the public. It will be shown at St. Mary's Cathedral, which is located at 700 Poplar Avenue here in Memphis. So again, on Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m., we invite you to come and be present with us. Uh, And if you're here in Shelby County to find some way to take part in the many activities that are happening this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and also on Monday. This is a significant date, uh, not just in the life of those of us who live and work in Memphis, but indeed um, the entire country and the entire world, that a person who devoted his life to transforming hearts via nonviolent means would have his life ended in such a violent way. Um, And so we want to find ways to celebrate the powerful ministry of Dr. King and also to acknowledge the members of the Memphis clergy who stood in support of what Dr. King represented. And um, I think this will be a wonderful opportunity to learn more and to celebrate. So we hope to see some of you this Sunday at 3 p.m. at St. Mary's Cathedral. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Faithfully Memphis. And until next week, stay safe and stay positive. Thanks for listening to Faithfully Memphis, a podcast from the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. We invite you to share our show from today with a friend who may not have heard it. If you like our show, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. This really, really helps us. You can learn more about the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee, including finding an Episcopal church in our diocese, on our website, edwtn.org. We're also active on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks! Thanks!